good morning, evening, afternoon, no matter the time or place, whether I'm in your ear or if I'm in your face, you have officially made it to Talks with Tony, and this is your station for motivation. Let's start by asking a simple but gravely important question. How many of you have ever seen a Disney movie? Yes, I said Disney movie. Well, better yet, if you have seen a Disney movie or if you're a true Disney fan, on the count of three, I want you to either think loudly or yell loudly your favorite Disney movie ever. Okay? Are we ready? Let's go. One, two, three. Wow. I was hoping that there'd be much more yelling, but it seems to me that we have a lot of thinkers here that are taking in today's speech. I, on the other hand, whether it's yelling or thinking, I confess that I have a few Disney movies that I like. Okay, little caveat though. I may be downplaying my love for Disney just a wee bit when I say a few. I'm actually a Disney fanatic. I mean, admirer. Okay, you know what? Look, I've already admitted it once, so I'm going to go ahead and lay it all out there. There's no more hide, no subtleties for me. I love Disney movies. I mean, I love Disney movies so much that you'd actually never want to watch a Disney movie with me. I mean, I'm the guy who says all the lines to my favorite scenes. I, I, I'm the guy who acts out all what the characters are doing on screen. See, when I watch Lion King and Mufasa's rolling through the night sky and he meets his grown-up semi-king runaway son, I get prepared. See, real fans know what's coming and it's about to be epic. I mean, that thunder and lightning start to strike and Mufasa starts to fade into the distance, he says, remember who you are. I mean, at this moment, I'm trying to make my voice sound like the Allstate man. I mean, Simba's in his feelings because his dad is gone. I'm in my feelings because I feel for Simba. And meanwhile, anyone watching me is drastically confused at the tears coming down this very large guy's face over a cartoon. Think those bewildered looks slowed my tears down? The answer is no. I kept crying. Now, one of my favorite scenes is when the army dudes rolled up to actually Mulan's front door. And they actually drafted her father. Now, Mulan was not trying to hear anything that these people were talking about. I mean, my girl Mulan goes straight mission mode. She chops off her hair, steals armor, and joins the Imperial Army. I'm not talking about the regular army, guys. The Imperial Army. Now, while she's in the army, she gets picked on and struggles to keep up with the guys. But Mulan, being as awesome and as dope as she is, finds a smarter way to accomplish the missions and the tasks that she was given. Now, the whole time, her drill sergeant, Shane, is being the coolest guy on the planet. I mean, I no exaggeration, guys. He's faster, stronger, and just plain out cooler than anyone there. I mean, Shane is running, jumping, kicking, fighting, and even deflecting rocks with a broomstick while having a pail of water on his head. I, I, was, I, I was so into this movie that here I am at 29 years old, 290 pounds, and swinging a broomstick in the mirror while singing. I hope you guys are ready. You must be swift as a coursing river with all the force of a great typhoon with all the strength of a raging fire mysterious as the dark side of the moon. Ha! After singing that, I was ready for war. 
unfortunately, there was no real war to be fought, and Mulan was just a cartoon, so I settled for downloading the song into my workout playlist instead. But all jokes aside, I had no idea why I loved Disney movies so much. I would think things to myself like, you're a man. You're grown. You've really been to war. Why? Why would I like Disney movies? Well, as I reflected on the, my thoughts and the movies that I loved, it came to me. The reasons that I liked movies like Mulan, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Lion King were so enticing because, because I identified with them. See, I identified with the struggle and opposition that many of the main characters faced. See, I, I love seeing those who seem lost or forgotten make it to the top despite what other people said or thought about them. When I saw these movies, I saw me. I saw a little boy who was looking to understand why so much pain and hurt had come his way in life. I saw a child who wanted to very much be more than what the world said he would be. I, like those movies, just wanted to be great. I mean, I just wanted to be seen. I just wanted to be heard. I began to realize that a lot of what I felt was birthed from a circumstance that I had no control over at all. My present was actually being affected by my past. As a child, I was born into a broken mold. My mother was someone who struggled with drug addictions and prostitution. My mother had over six children and all of us were separated and put into the foster care system. Now, for those of you who may not understand the gravity of what I'm saying, let me expound. We were placed in a system where children often never find a family, and they never find love. And if there is any love, it's far and hard to find. See, I miss being able to feel the warmth of the woman who brought me into this world. I never got to see those days of running around and being picked on by an older brother. I didn't get the, it's okay, baby, from my mother, or we love you, son. I couldn't tell you what I looked like before the age of eight, and hell, I don't even know what my biological father even looks like or who he even is. And as bad as that seems, life still has to go on, right? Well, life did go on. And man, was I in for a treat. See, as I got older, I was adopted by the Jones family. I was almost nine years old, and I became the happiest kid on the planet. I got adopted. Somebody, somebody wanted me. See, at a young age, I had already made up in my mind that no one wanted me. I knew that someday they were going to leave, or I would have to leave, just like every other place and every other person did before the Joneses. See, when I was younger, I left Mrs. Vance's house. The people took me from the Johnsons, and my aunt didn't even want me because she said I didn't have good hair. I told myself I was no longer going to give people the chance to hurt me. What happened next could have only been ordained by God. The Jones family really loved me. I'm not talking about feeding me for a check so the state can give you one, that kind of love. I'm talking about the kind of love that makes you feel weird on the inside. The kind of love that makes you want to call them mom and dad and the kind of love that no one in the entire family even thinks about your adoption. I'm talking about that kind of love. 
and I didn't know how to take it. So as a child, I lashed out. See, I didn't believe I was worthy to be loved. I was not worth someone deciding to take me on for a lifetime. There was nothing inside of me that was worth the sacrifice that these people made. Or so I thought. My mom and dad are beyond awesome. And they literally saved my life. See, I doubted myself until I met them. I remember when I was about to get adopted. I was riding in the car with my mom. And my mother asked if I wanted to keep my last name. I never realized that a name could invoke so many emotions. I wanted so badly to be a Jones. I would have value. I would have family. I would have everything that I wanted. So we moved my old last name to my middle name and I officially became a Jones. When that happened, my mom had no idea, but she actually said something to me that forever changed my life. She said, I need you guys to listen. She said, Anthony Thomas Jones. Hmm. Sounds like someone important. Sounds like you'll write a book or something. I smiled from ear to ear. I thought, yeah, I am important. As time went on, I began to fight a war with what was inside of me and the words that she spoke to me. So I wanted to be the person that she said I was, but I struggled for a long time with trying to identify with the potential that she saw in me. Now, no one in here has to raise their hand, but how many of you have struggled with a similar battle? How many times have you been told about greatness, but you couldn't see it? I mean, how many of you know that you have so much more to offer the world, but for some reason you just can't get it together. And which of you wake up pretending to be okay with your level of success, knowing that you're not where you should be? If you're honest with yourself, I think you'd be surprised to find out that many of you were very much like me. Confused, saddened, and hurt. But now that we know that, how do we get from a place of hurt and possibilities to a place of prosperity and productivity? Well, I need you to pull out a pen and paper. If you're driving, hit pause. We don't want anybody to crash. We ready? All right, one, admit that you have a situation to address in the first place, then Speak to it and tell that situation that it doesn't define you. I feel like many people think that I'm crazy, but I'm actually very serious when I say speak to it. Not only speak to it, but speak over it. You command that situation and tell it that it does not define who you are. Number two, find support and positive circles. Okay, find support and positive circles. Make you a priority. You may leave people behind, but that's just a part of the process. And three, three is the most important. You have to understand who you are. See, God created you for greatness. You are not God, but God flows through you if you let him. And if you truly, truly, truly open up, you'll find out the greatness that lies on the inside of you. See, when I applied these three things to my mindset, I actually started to change.
I consciously put in the effort to make myself a better version of me. See, I was hitting roadblocks on the journey, but I was still moving forward. I would run into doubt, but I would speak false confidence until I believed it or until I drowned doubt with repetition. See, I spoke to myself so often that I became comfortable doing it out loud in front of people. I couldn't find positive people in real life, so I went to YouTube and played speeches over and over and over as if they were standing right next to me. Lastly, I recognized that God created me. And if that was the case, that meant I had to be great. Throughout my time with myself, I realized that my success came down to one thing, though. Action. I had to get up and move. I had to do. See, I wasn't sure what at the time to do, but I knew that I had to do something. So I just started to move. So many of you think that you have to know exactly how you are going to get to your goal. I say to you that you don't have to know how you're going to get there, but instead know where it is that you want to get. Let's do that again. I say that you don't have to know how you are going to get to your goal, but instead know where it is you want to get. Then do the hardest thing ever. Take your first step. And then take another. And then another. And make many goals that lead to the destination and take it piece by piece. See, when you start taking those steps and moving in that direction, you'll learn something amazing about yourself. You will see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, I promise. And as you approach the illumination and begin to see yourself more clearly, you will learn that you've actually always been everything that you're going to be. So you're not actually reinventing yourself, but rather revealing to yourself who you always were. You're not reinventing yourself, but rather revealing to yourself who you always were. So stop with the self-doubt. Stop with the negativity and look at who you really are. If you still can't see it, then my friend, just keep taking one step at a time. Get closer and closer into the light. And I promise you'll see your greatness. You really have what it takes. And after hearing my story, if I can make it, so can you. Thank you.